0: Hey, how's it going? Just before we get started, uh, just a bit of a note. This podcast was actually recorded a few weeks back when the price of lithium was still continuing to increase. Since then, it has started to trend downwards, but the availability of lithium hydroxide still remains challenged despite the price decreases, and all the technical information that's contained within this podcast still remains relevant, as does the need to diversify away from lithium-based thickness. Hope you enjoy it. G'day everyone. Welcome to Lubrication Expert. I've got a very exciting episode today. Today we're speaking with uh, Dennis Eidenberg uh, from the, the Axel Christian Company. Now, if you are in the Greece world, you know Axel Christian, so, right? Basically one of, if not the largest private label, a uh, manufacturer. But if you come from outside of the Greece world, you may have never actually heard that name before. But um, these guys are very knowledgeable when it comes to Greece, Greece applications, Greece technology, and that's why I wanted them to get to come on this podcast, uh, to discuss, and there's no one better than, uh, Dennis, the man himself. So, uh, Dennis, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to hear a, lot, a little bit about you know, lithium, lithium complex. What's the future of Greece look like? Cause there's a lot of uncertainty in the market now, and hopefully you can provide some, some clarity to us all. Definitely Going to be interesting
1: talk. So, uh, thanks for, for having me and, um, Indeed, we're one of the larger companies. No one ever heard of unless you know us. Uh, uh, when you when you are in the grease industry, we're sort of the odd one out. We we are a producer of lubricating greases only, um, rather than than, than oil based lubricants. Um, we only produce lubricating greases. With, so we're we're in a niche market and have some niche knowledge there as well. So
0: more than happy to share it today. Awesome, awesome. So I thought maybe the way that we could start is I think everyone. It's familiar with the fact that by volume, lithium or lithium complex greases are uh, that sort of kind of multi-purpose grease that everyone sees throughout the industry. So I, help, I thought it would help if we wind the clock a little bit backwards to go from the start and say, why is it that lithium greases are so popular? Why have they come to dominate the market? Whether it's for technical reasons, commercial reasons, uh, why is it that lithium really has the lion's share of? of grease volume.
1: Yeah. Fair question. And an interesting topic to look at. Uh, Look at. um, If if you look at it from a historical point of view, there's roughly um, pre-World War II and after the Second World War period, if you look at lubricating greases pre-Second World War, you would have your sodium greases or your your, uh, regular calcium greases, some aluminium, um, and any of those clay or benton greases. And... They all had some some positives if you, if you look at um, um, uh, sodium grease for example they have perfect water resistant uh, re- water resistance but they're very poor in the presence of water as they're basically saw um, if you if you look at it the other way around the the old-fashioned calcium greases were highly water resistant but as water is part of their chemical structure they're sort of limited to upper temperatures of 60 65 degrees before your soap starts to, starts to disintegrate so in that period of time, you had to make some choices of which features were most important in the application you were trying to service. Um, so then 1943, along came Clarence E. Earl, uh, who found out a way to do a simplification with lithium salts. So basically the first lithium-containing greases. Uh, simple soap, lithiums sort of gave the solution to, to actually create a multi-purpose or a universal product. As it. It solved the issue of being quite bad at some features as well. So water resistance, mechanical stability, um, uh, resistance to um, to shear pumpability, all of those it's, it's working quite decently. It doesn't excel in anything, but most importantly, it's not as bad at anything as well. So that there was basically the, the birth of true multipurpose purpose that were fit for uh, a number of applications without having to choose whichever feature was most important for you. And then building on your lithium grease and just, just a sidestep in order to make uh, a lubricating grease, you would need thickener, usually uh, a soap or a non-soap thickener. Soap thickeners would be a metal hydroxide and, and, a, and a fatty acid uh, reacting, so lithium hydroxide in this case. You would need a base oil on some, some additives as sort of a cherry on top to enhance performance wherever you want to. Looking at your simple soap lithiums, then they were evolving... After the second world war with different base oil types, dif- different additivation types to build on there. And then there's a couple of options you can do in terms of enhancing performance. First step would be lithium calcium greases. For example, if you do a double saponification process where you combine lithium hydroxide, calcium hydroxide together in your, in your saponification process, you get a product with a, a basically a multi-purpose product for higher demanding applications are of load carrying capacity, shock load resistance and water resistance as well. So you enhance those features with lithium calcium greases. So that's one part of the market where you receive here lithium universal multipurpose EP2 products. Then your lithium calcium is more demanding applications, mainly outdoor applications as well, where water or dirt are usually problematic. Um, and the other way around lithium complex greases, where we do a first saponification step. Uh, with the first fatty acid to create a lithium soap and then the second step with a D-basic, where that's laic acid, any of those, to do a second saponification step uh, and create a lithium complex with some benefits in terms of thermal resistance that goes up, So you're able to uh, work at higher working temperatures or prolonged higher temperatures and your mechanical stability, so your resistance to shear improves quite well as well. So lithium complexes and lithium calcium are, are... not on the same page in terms of, of, performance there. And then you would have a lot of other versions, uh, where lithium would be part of it in, in, in some spun or hybrid version. But those are the main three ones you see in the market. If you look in, 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 in Europe, lithium tends to be the dominant thicker for your multi universal greases. If you look at a US, for example, lithium complex seems to be more the weapon of choice there. It seems so lithiums are not too popular. So from a, from a historic point of view, basically lithium provided some building blocks to basically capture a lot of quite well-performance details and, and some other
0: saponification steps to to tweak those here for, uh, further along. That's really interesting. So what you've described is, is lithium is kind of being a jack of all trades, but master of none. Uh, and that's what makes yeah, it a multi-purpose right grease, right? Like it, yeah. it's pretty good doesn't have any major weaknesses, so we can use it quite widely. And I guess if I can give the analogy in the lubricants world, where we are always looking to rationalize products right, and have the, the fewest yep. products on site, lithium gives you that capacity to build that rationalization in from the start. So we just have a single thickener that we're using across a, a really wide number of applications. Just add on a bit there, if I, if I
1: may. Yeah, It's basically three things if you want to oversimplify it to, to understand how lithium became there. It's, it's basically three A's lithium was available, which is of course of importance, um, and perhaps a nice bridge to the current situation because as a spoiler alert, it's not that well available anymore, <laughs> uh, but it, what, it was available. Um, it was affordable as well. Uh, lithium wasn't too expensive altogether to, to be used in, in, uh, in a saponification process. And it was all round, and that all round is what you're, you're featuring as well. With the availability and the affordability of this um, uh, this lithium hydroxide, were, were key into getting
0: where we are today, as as lithium being the dominant thickener type used. That's really interesting. So I think um, most of the listeners of this podcast are, you know, technical professionals from the lubricants world, and they probably do understand the difference between a simple and a complex lithium, right? But Right. Just for the few um, listeners out there who might be a little bit confused about the terminology that they're throwing out there. Um, so the way that I always describe it is that a simple soap is kind of like, um, you know, you've got a polar head and a long fatty acid tail. And then the complexing process, it's almost like those, uh, those acids, like the, the long sections on a ladder. And then when you complex, you're taking another acid, uh, an azelaic acid or something like that, and you're bridging the two of them together. So that's almost like putting rungs on the ladder. And that kind of gives them more, let's say, mechanical stability. Is that a fair characterization? And where does that analogy maybe break down a bit? It, it is um, a fair analogy. If you, what I occasionally do
1: as well is make an analogy with a sponge. If you were washing your car for your dad on, on a Sunday morning to, to have a little ring on the side, for example. If you have a very uh, open structured sponge and you take it out of your bucket, then water flows out quite easily. And if you pull on that sponge, you easily tear it to stretch. And that is the equivalent of a lithium simple or, or a simple saponification, because in the end with these fatty acids and metal hydroxides, we are forming a similar saponification process, uh, a, 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 a soap or a sponge in that matter. So if you would have a very uh, dense sponge, a small air pockets in there, and you pick it out of your uh, bucket as well, water hardly flows out. So you need to squeeze in order to get your fluids out of there. And if you want to pull it, it's very hard to tear it apart. So that's basically a, a complex compared to a simple. So the more intertwined those, uh, those links are, if uh, on a ladder or, or in, 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 a, in a sponge for that matter, the more resistant they are to shear, for example, shear basically is the constant milling of your product. For example, in wheel bearings of, of structural trucks or on-road transport, there your constant milling is basically the equivalent of constantly pulling on your uh, on your sponge altogether. Um, so the more links there are, the the better it is for mechanical stability. Um, it enhances your thermal stability as well. The more links there are the higher your dropping point is. So the harder it is to, in the end, break those bonds by means of temperature. That's basically what, what your dropping point does. Um, and if you, if you look at it from um, a, a practical point of view, the more so there is, so the more of those particles there are that are intertwined, the harder it is to get your oil out. And in the end, the oil is something that is highly contributing to creating a lubricating film in the end. So there's, if you have a very slow-moving application, probably um, not all complexes are, are suited to to be working uh, in there. So you either need a higher speed in some cases or a higher load in order to still get your um, your 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 oil film and your lubricating film created. Yeah, but that's yeah, sad. Uh, all in all, um, it, it it shows the intertwining of uh, the the
0: more intertwined it is, the more Complex, it is indeed. Yeah, that's really good insight. And I think that analogy is going to help a lot of people uh, sort of pull that understanding together. So now that we've got the kind of the basics of the, the technical details down, um, talking commercially, would you be able to give us a rough rundown of kind of market size in terms of like what's the share of all the different types of greases? So broadly speaking, we've got the simple lithium greases, the lithium complex greases, and then you've got you know, like you mentioned the clays, polyureas, and things like that, you know, how, how dominant is lithium when it comes to most of the industry? Um, well, I think if you look at, a, at, at, actual from a, um, a, a product, uh,
1: production point of view, for example, where I would have most insight into anyway, I think you know, over three quarters or even 80% yeah, percent and up are greases that contain lithium in any way, shape or form. If you look at industrial products. If you look at in the European market, for example, roughly 70% of the greases there contain lithium. Um, and then you would have your other thickener types, uh, there, uh, non lithium containing greases, for example, would be, uh, calcium or anhydrous calcium. I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll capture a bit on that in, in, uh, a bit later on to explain the differences there as well. Uh, uh, calcium complexes, aluminium complexes for, um especially food grade applications, where we're seeing most of them. Um, calcium sulfonate complex greases and polyurea greases are sort of the the major pickers we're seeing uh, for non-lithium-containing products altogether. But all in all, a, a, a substantial part of the market is using greases in, in, uh, that contain lithium in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And that explains why the market disruptions have, have- affected so many different industries, right? Because lithium's, oh, because of lithium's dominance, right? Um, and so the obvious question, because I think everyone is feeling it at the moment, uh, every well, end users are seeing it in the price of grease at the moment. They're seeing the price of lithium-based greases in, in many instances skyrocketing, even relative to other products that they might uh, see from their lubricant suppliers. So the price of everything has been going up, we can blame Know, supply chain shortages and all this kind of stuff related to to COVID and shipping issues and production shortages and all the rest of it. But even relative to that, it seems, at least with my customers, that lithium greases are increasing even above that kind of standard level. Agree. So with all the discussion about it, it's helpful to to understand why is it that the cost of lithium has gone up so much and, you know, is that driving a search for Alternatives to lithium or substitutes for lithium, do we see this being a an ongoing trend that we need to as an industry address? Or is it something that is kind of transitional and and we'll get onto the other side and lithium will become cheap again and everything will continue as normal? A lot of questions. Let let's start
1: off with one I thought you you were you were uh, starting off with is is, yeah. is 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 it correct that lithium is, is the main contributor to increasing prices and and it is if the price of lithium starting 2020 uh, 2022 uh, beginning of 2023 prices are going up tenfold so it's it's um, going from roughly uh eight to ten dollars a kilogram of lithium to now 85 dollars uh, for that same kilogram of lithium and up so it's it's wow I didn't cont- realize it
0: was that much
1: it is it definitely has an impact and it's Sort of limited now. The impact is sort of limited at some point because base oils overall tend to be going down. If you look at a production point of view, Group One base oils are still your mainly used uh, type of base oils, mainly because the more refined the product gets, the lower the vis- viscosity gets. If you look at uh, the trend that you see in in automotive industry, for example, to continuously de- decrease your viscosity needed. Look at lubricating grease. We're not on that. Uh, 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 following that same path, there. Higher viscosities, higher loads, uh, water resistant qualities, all of those. Roughly 200 centistokes is not too much if you look at lubricating greases anyway. If you look at a uh, uh, at an engine oil, 200 would be ridiculous. But it, it starts sort of to get interesting at 200 centistokes if you look at that 40 degrees, if you look at lubricating greases. Um, so the, the cost price of lithium has gone up tremendously and and the main reason is the amount of lithium that's currently being needed for energy storage and it's not necessarily you store uh, energy in lithium but lithium is the main uh, um, component that's being used in high-performance batteries currently Uh, so two pillars where we are basically seeing a huge battery demand increase first of all evs PHEVs, any battery operated vehicle that's currently in the market would have batteries containing lithium. Lithium would have quite uh, high electrode potential, a high energy storage capacity, uh, even combined with, with higher temperatures. So it's, it's right as we're, we're lubricating reserves. Well, if you look at your um, your batteries, lithium there solves a lot of the issues you would have with other solutions as well. It's your jack of all trades, as you said, it uh, in, in terms of batteries as well. So your dominance within the um, uh, EV markets for for batteries containing lithium that will only be growing. There's a lot of initiatives globally to phase out internal combustion engines in 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 cars, and trucks, and buses, and and everything that moves or has motion and and at least uh, two wheels or all four. Um, so they're uh, going from uh, um, a market there where there's a huge potential of batteries. Uh, energy storage in grid storage or nuclear power energy storage as well or wind energy. You want to store energy somewhere, so some, uh, there uh, lithium is, is needed as well to create those batteries. Twenty fifteen, roughly uh, looked at a study of Klein at some point in twenty fifteen. Roughly thirty percent of the lithium that was available in the market, roughly thirty percent was being used globally in in lithium uh, uh, containing grease. So as, as a sublimation medium for, for lubricating greases. If you look at it nowadays, we're roughly at 10% market share that's still being used, um, um, in, in lubricating greases, even though the lubricating grease market is fairly stable in terms of volumes anyway, globally. If you would look at, um, uh, at 2025, reason 2030, we're under 3% as the predicaments are, because the, the amount of, uh, lithium required in those batteries is such a high cost potential that every lithium mine or, or, uh, grinding, uh, operations, they will be producing for batteries and not so much for lubricating grease or healthcare or, or ceramics or any of those where lithium is used as well. That said, if you, if it appears that there will be roughly enough lithium to go around to, uh. To be able to produce as many batteries as you can to keep up with the EV trend that we're seeing, the energy grid storage trend that we're seeing as well. However, it's it's sort of in line with a, with a uh, demand and 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 uh, uh, supply being available that's both going up. So prices will be balanced, and we won't see prices going down at least from our point of view anytime soon. Um, and knowing that our um, as lubricating in in lubricating grease market our market share. Even though volume-wise we're sort of in the same um, arena, anyway, but we are getting to a smaller and smaller part of the pie. So we're not really in the uh, in a position to man to demand lower prices, even if they were possible at some point as well. So lithium is at best continuing at the high price level we're seeing today. Most likely, we'll will we'll see gradual increases overall altogether in the uh, in the upcoming period as well. And yes, that, I
0: guess. The, the way that you would look at it is our, as an industry, our relative purchasing power compared to the lithium market goes down, yep. even if yep. supply and demand are matched.
1: Yep. yeah, That's exactly what it is. Yep.
0: Okay. So that then brings us to, if we do see a period of sustained high prices and lithium occupies a large portion of the grease market, then it would make sense to look at, at alternatives. Um, and so, from your perspective, what do you see as being the main candidates for um, replacement technologies? And, and in, with lithium being that sort of jack of all trades, um, as we start to introduce substitutes, are they going to have to be more specialized than the, the multipurpose lithium greases were? Or are we able to find substitute multipurpose greases as well? Off the top of my head, and you've already mentioned some of these, you've got sort of the calcium lithium combinations. Um, I think I meant, heard you mention anhydrous calcium. We can get into what that is because I think there's a few uh, misunderstandings about what that might be, You know, calcium sulfonate, polyurea, all the rest of it.
1: If, if, if you indeed, if you summarize it again as to the three points, the availability, the the affordability, and the all-around qualities. Availability and affordability, well, they went out the window uh, with, with lithium altogether, lithium hydroxide. So we have an all-around product and that's not enough to sustain itself as dominant thickener in the market. Um, let's start off with some drawbacks, and then we we'll get to the positives later on. That's to, um, uh, at least to keep our audience uh, uh, listening as well, rather than to say, "Well, that's the conclusion that we uh, we don't bother." Now, some um, challenges that you had to phase out lithium altogether in some some applications. It's a matter of, oh, we have instructions at some point or guidelines where. A lot of the OEMs, the instructions or OEM uh, requirements are demanding lithium-based products that could either be by describing a certain dropping point, a certain thickener, or certain features that tie in with lithium or lithium complexes. So before, and you can say a lot about automotive OEMs, for example, but not that they're changing on a daily basis. Um, so it will take, in the end, some time to, in the end, get that part of the market to change as well. Um other OEM, uh, OEM uh, recommendations as well, where if you have something that is containing lithium prescribed currently, it will take time bef- before they have made their, their choice on what type of thickener or what type of product they, they deem worthy of being an alternative. And then to be um, uh, spilled onto the market where you want to assess compatibility of those two thickeners as well, of course, if you would have thickener A and thickener B and they're not compatible. It doesn't make sense to use them in the same machine altogether that, that will create issues where you need to do a full flush of your systems and so on. Um, so there's some challenges where we would still see lithium requirement anyway. Um, the, the and as you mentioned as well, a lot of the experts in the market currently are very aware, um, of how lubricating oils work, what their drawbacks are, what their benefits are, and so on. Gear oils, hydraulics, any of those where you would see a lot of people having a fair bit of knowledge in that field. If you zoom into the niche market that lubricating grease is, the number of people that truly understand those products, that's smaller than, than looking at uh, lubricating oils. Um, So if we, as, as lubricating specialists, not fully understand lubricating grease altogether, how can we expect? The market to understand it as well and if you are a farmer a maintenance technician at a, at a factory or already of of those people who in the end make their purchasing decisions to use a certain product, how are we gonna get the information to the market by means of our major oil companies your distributors grease specialists uh, distributors uh, uh, people like you and me talking about products as well it will take some time to pour energy onto the market about the available alternatives to do's and don'ts and so on. So there's, there will be also a, a delay effect where people might be a bit reluctant to sh- to switch to another thickener because as I said, we have used them since 1945 on. The other matter is the, the full scale up of, the, of, of the operations. Roughly said, if three quarters of the market now contains lithium, um, it's a huge uh, scale-up to get any other thickener type to uh, phase out lithium altogether. So we still will be seeing lithium uh, tomorrow and the day after as well. It's not going to be a one-day um, one process. It will, it will take quite some time. Um, however, people are um, more willing to change the moment their purchasing power is involved uh, influence influenced as well. So if we are finding alternatives that are working equally well or at least have some enhanced performance in some cases as well, Enhanced performance being a benefit, but if you use a product for a certain application, enhanced performance doesn't necessarily always is a necessity because the product you have might just do the trick quite well. Um, but you would have some enhanced performance and a lower cost price. And especially the second one that will drive people to say, well, in that case, I'm willing to try rather than the other way around saying, well, we've got an alternative and it's more expensive as well. Then the willingness to switch over to something new is a bit lower, of course looking at your question of which options do we have, um, um and rather than just shouting out all types of thickeners here, it might be good to, to zoom in to how do you actually get to the right choices, the right lubricant. Um, and that is basically making a combination of which type of application are you lubricating? Is it a, a bearing? Uh, uh, A plane bearing, rolling bearing, uh, uh, pin bushings, any any of those, uh, uh, wire ropes, open gears. uh, So what type of application are you lubricating and what's the environment it's being used in? So the working environment, um, is it it cold, is it warm, is there water present, dirt present? Where um, uh, lubricating oils are usually being used in an enclosed system. Lubricating uh, greases tend to be used in um, semi-open or fully open applications, so the, they are more in, in contact with the environment they're being used in. And pollutants such as water, debris, uh, chemicals—any uh, of those would have an influence on your our uh, choice. And, and, and lastly, make a combination. In which which type of machinery are you using? It? Is it an excavator? Is it a tractor? Are you looking at the electrical motor bearings, uh, uh, wind turbines? Any of those? So. With those three um, IDs, the type of component, the type of machinery and the type of environment and the uh, performance qualities required, then you can zoom into which thickener um, base oil additive combination would work out best. And if we zoom into the thickeners, um, first off. Your standard multi purpose universal products as they are currently in the market, plain lithium grease or in US, uh, some lithium complex, but let's focus on simple soap lithiums to start up with first. Um, you have a general all round good performance, check all trades, as you said. Um, there, And here's calcium would be the first option to tick all the boxes that lithium simple soaps do as well and some more. So, um, you, you, mentioned as well, um, standard calciums and Henry's calciums, the, the difference between, uh, between those two that, that, that that's what you were getting yeah. to as well, right? Yeah. Um, original calcium grease, as they were used pre-World War II as well, their water is in the chemical structure of, of a lubricating grease. Meaning if water is part of your chemical structure and water tends to evaporate as of 60, 65 degrees already, your chemical structure will. Simply disintegrate because of the temperature reached at 60, 65 degrees. So you're fairly limited in upper temperature, but you would have excellent water resistance with those, uh, those degrees. If you would look at anhydrous calcium, which is basically a fancy way of saying water-free calcium, um, water-free calcium doesn't contain water in its chemical structure anymore. So that's, that's taken out. Um, meaning water is no longer part of the equation where that is the limiting factor in in, in terms of 60, 65 degree upper temperature use. So we are looking at a thickener that if it's well formed and and the simplification process went well, you're looking at roughly 130 or even 140 on, on an FE9, for example, um, FE9 to assess upper temperature limits, 130, 140, that's really at the level lithium greases are, or even slightly above, um, but still, if you look at higher temperature operations, you're uh, universal product might not just be where you want to be in terms of prolonged lubrication intervals anyway, but in, in terms of one thirty, one forty degrees upper temperature on Fe9 for anhydrous calcium, that picks one of the major boxes in terms of enhanced temperature performance
0: compared to the old-fashioned calcium greases. So maybe just and to th- clarify on the anhydrous calcium, so th- we said that with standard, you know, pre-1940s uh, simple calcium Uh, soaps, they included water as part of the process or part of the, uh, the final product. And therefore they had good, good water resistance. So does that mean that the converse is true that when you have anhydrous calcium, which is non water containing that the water resistance performance degrades?
1: No, it's a matter of, of
0: how the saponification
1: process went and, and the chemicals behind it. So in the end, the calcium part altogether. Same as with lithium-calcium grease, for example, having calcium as part of your thickener structure, that will enhance water resistance in a, in a, uh, um, in a substantial way. And if you look at Enhidus calciums, they're even hydrophobic, meaning it's even hard to mill in water at your, at your grease in, in running. So uh, one or two percent of water, uh, um, that that's sort of it. If you look at calcium-silvanate complexes, for example, they are very good in in incorporating water in its uh, in its grease matrix, so preventing rust and corrosion from embedding it in the soap structure, and there's calcium continuously wants to keep that out anyway. So it's a thickener that's originally developed for marine purposes altogether because of the good adhesive qualities that it had, um, as well as the uh, a very good resistance to water and the uh, inability to absorb water into a high extent, just to keep pushing water out. So that's Um, uh, As far as water resistance goes, calcium and anhydrous calcium are really on top of their game in terms of performance there. And even the lack of water in its chemical structure doesn't influence um, the end result of of being not as water repellent. Right. So zooming into a bit more details on those anhydrous calcium greases. So if you look at your simple soap lithiums, you will see... Uh, thermal performance, that's something we we've covered uh, roughly, uh, 120, 130 degrees upper temperature that's met by and calcium as well. Um, uh, good load carrying capacity, uh, same there with, with calcium, we can additivate the, cor- um, um, in a very similar way to, to lithium to, to overcome, uh, any, uh, uh, loads three, 4,000 newton a an affordable weld load machine should be achievable without any issues. Um. That's where your lithium grease are still used as well. If you if you're going up, we'll order into those lithium um, uh, calcium grease, for example, for higher load carrying capacity. So we'll, we'll get to that a bit later on. Um, but your and here is calcium in terms of load carrying capacity, in terms of uh, yeah. uh, uh, water resistance, resistance to dirt as well, uh, adhesiveness. Uh, it, it's right there on the money together with with lithium soaps. Uh, water resistance is, is a bit better as well. One of the other uh, benefits is a, a slightly higher mechanical stability. So it's a, it's a thickener that is a bit more shear resistant, and, and lastly, uh, uh, the adhesion of the the product is quite well as well. If you look at it from a uh, from a thickener point of view, and not necessarily um, uh, coming from um, the thickener alone, or looking at the thickener, but the pumpability of the final product. If you're using that Harris calcium product, the End result is a non certain, not very elastic, um, uh, uh, lubricating grease that you have. Meaning if you have those in the centralized lubrication systems, lung pipes, you press onto your grease, a grease. If you make the analogy to a sponge again, if you squeeze it quite hard, what happens, the liquids come out. Same there, uh, if you have a, um, um, a soap that is, a uh, 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 simple soap, for example, that is fairly elastic, it's easier. To get oil separation going, but it also it that will also create some issues in your centralized lubrication system. In the end, you want your lubrication system to be a matter of transport only and not create oil separation already. That should be done in your replication where they're actually lubricating. Um, so anhydrous calcium grease is very um, pumpable, low temperatures, but in, in, in centralized lubrication systems as well. So quite some benefits there. Main advantages, if you look at your um, um, cost prices of lithium hydroxide currently in the market. And as we said, um, uh, well over $80 a kilogram. Calcium is lime, right? Prices of lime are slightly cheaper. Uh, <laughs> so that whatever we, uh, doesn't have to be put in a grease that's quite costly. You don't have to pay for it in the end as well. So it, it, it gives a lot of benefits in terms of, um, um, uh, uh, being more affordable than a lithium-type product is, it is so. It is, lime is fairly available. It's it's uh, uh, affordable, and it is all-round, making it your first selection of of uh, products where you want to be with with universal or or multi-purpose type products. If we then look into lithium calcium greases as a next step, where you want to. Have enhanced water resistance. So, your multipurpose products for more demanding applications, outdoor applications, water present, dirt present as well, uh, higher loads, higher shock loads. A substantial part of that market could be used, could be phased out by your, uh, and here's calcium grease as well, the water resistant and, and, and dirt resistant qualities in some cases added by uh, uh, or increased by adding some polymers as well to further increase. Uh, adhesiveness, techiness and the and the dirt repellent qualities, um uh, levels, higher basal viscosity. the first part of that lithium calcium market could be uh phased out by and calcium grease as well. If you go to your truly high demanding, high load applications, high shock loads, and then you're you're looking at machinery as big Excavators, grinders, uh, heavy heavy off road machinery, uh, machinery used in, in dredging purposes, for example. So big, bulky, slow, heavy moving. Then, and here's calcium at some point will not be fit for purpose anymore. And you would border into, for example, calcium sulfonates. Cal- calcium sulfonate complex greases would be a next step where they are extremely. Mechanical, st- uh, they have an extreme mechanical stability. They they are uh, quite shear resistant, especially at lower uh, lower temperatures. It, it is a multi complex thickener, so it's it's a, a combination of uh, some gel, some some uh, fatty acids, some uh, metal hydroxides, that form in the end a very complex soap structure. So a lot of intertwining and a lot of uh, steps and cross steps on your ladder. Um, calcium sulfonates. Good upper temperature levels, higher than with your regular anhydrous um, calcium or um, or lithium uh, calcium products or lithium products, but an extreme load carrying capacity, and it's a functional thickener, meaning a lot of the load carrying comes from the thickener itself rather than from EP activation. Uh, so it's a very heavy duty thickener. That is your next step. So anhydrous calcium and calcium sulfonates is your truly heavy duty step. In, rather than uh, a highly activated, high viscosity lithium calcium grease. Um, at least one lithium complexes. We, we see lithium complexes being used in, in sort of two major ways in the market. First off, lithium complexes, we, we tend to see them in some off road applications as well um, uh, 400, 600 Sandy Stoke base oil, some polymers added usually some solids such as molybdenum disulfate, for example, to be working quite well in your pit bushings, for example, in excavators where you would have slow oscillating movements, hard to build up a lubricating film, some solids present to uh, prevent metal, metal-to-metal contact there. Um, that type of lithium complex use, calcium sulfonates, or even uh, anhydrous calcium uh, but to a higher elevation level. Would do the trick to face that that part out already. So that's not a true uh, uh, optimized use of a lithium complex in terms of performance. The true uh, benefits of lithium performance come in the other pillar that we see, and that's higher speeds or uh, a higher continuous uh, milling, so higher shear, um, mm-hmm. and that's something where we would see that, for example, in electrical motor bearings, wheel bearings, any of those applications where you would have constant motion uh, uh, bearings, roller bearings, where the grease really under stress for a longer period of time. And usually, uh, if you look at wheel bearings, for example, higher temperatures and higher peak temperatures are quite close to your brake systems as well. Of course, generating a lot of uh, excess heat uh, whenever a vehicle is slowing down. Those peaks are are quite well absorbed by, by lithium complex greases, And that is currently where... We see some challenges to phase that part out as well. Lithium complexes have a higher content in lithium hydroxide than a regular simple soap lithium. It's roughly twofold. In some cases, even two and a half fold. The The amount of lithium used, so the cost price increase has been even more exponential than that with your simple soap lithiums. Um, that market, we are seeing some options to phase that out with polyurea grease, for example. And polyurea grease are a, a designed thickener where you would have your isocyanides and amines and, and you would create different types of, of isocyanides okay. and amines to, in the end, form a polyurea grease. And polyurea grease is sort of a container where there's a lot of different polyurea grease. You would have your modaureas, diureas, et etc. et cetera. So there's no, um, polyurea grease doesn't tell you too much already um, of the actual thickener there. It's a non-salt, so it's, it's more of a a melting process, so to say. Um, but those isocyanides and amines are providing you with the building blocks to um, create a, a, a tailor-made product there. So it's it's sort of a designer thickener. Um, and if you look at your polyurea greases, we, we simply said we, we can divide them into two uh, major segments. One are the non-shear stable ones. Where you would, that you would see, for example, in agriculture use in the U.S. And the other ones are the shear-stable ones. And the shear-stable ones in your lithium complex is both used for prolonged upper temperatures uh, um, that, that the product is being used in, higher mechanical stability. Their polyurea would be a very interesting thickener to look into for some alternatives. Some of them are, are there already, uh, but polyurea agrees have some drawbacks in terms of practical... Uh, application, the raw materials by itself are toxic. Uh, it's, it's toxic raw materials So worker safety, uh, um, um, meeting, uh, rules of regulation compliances when, when producing those really make it a different type of thicker to work with than your regular products. So to say it's, it's, uh, um, it creates a bit more stress on the ones, uh, in the end, producing polyurea greases, um, the capacity to to make sufficient polyurea grease for the market demand currently is too low globally. There's there's really quite a, uh, a cry out for more polyureas and the scale up to do so. And to especially knowing that your production side will have to be um, quite well fitted to to meet those more demanding uh, production rules and regulations and meeting worker safety. Those are limiting uh, a, a vast out of polyurea grease altogether uh, currently. But it is an interesting one to, to look into as well as it is one of the prime candidates to, to phase out those, those lithium complexes. So quite a long answer yeah. to, to sort of, rather than saying here's the alternatives, hoping to give some more uh, input on where those different alternatives could be used along, along mm-hmm. the line as well.
0: You mind if I just jump in with a question about the polyurea greases. So sure. the way it was explained to me once was that one of the big advantages of a polyurea greases by nature. And because it's not really a, a soap-style uh, thickener, it means that it doesn't contain any metals. And of course, metals being catalysts for oxidation means that polyurea greases are really suited to high-temperature, long-life applications. Um, is that a, a fair assessment of that technology?
1: Thermal stability is excellent for polyurea greases. It's, it's um, um, Thermal stability is, is really one of the th- four days of these polyurea type, uh, type products altogether. Water resistant, uh, qualities, um, are, are quite okay. Load carrying capacity for polyurea, which is quite poor on the other hand. So you, you need to substantially addivate in order to accommodate higher loads as well. However, looking at where they're being used in a sheer stable way, higher speeds, never equal higher loads as well. That doesn't exist. The higher, the higher load of the slower it gets, you, you never see, um, in general, you would be stuck in traffic behind, the truck. now that's over-exaggerating because they're slow-moving. But in, in general, slow-moving, higher loads, higher-moving, lower loads. It's not necessarily an issue as uh, uh, the sheer quality is dependent on, on the Lego blocks you're using there, but sheer stability could be really uh, up into the highest parts of the market as well. But yep, um, thermal stability, yeah. key
0: for, um, uh, for Polyurega indeed. Yeah, cool. And that's obviously another uh, another point that goes back to your discussion about how polyurea is really an umbrella term for an entire family of different greases, right? Because you do hear polyureas as having a, a reputation for sheer instability, um, but that obviously only applies to certain types of polyurea greases, yep. whereas you can actually make them in, in quite uh, sheer stable forms um, that are uh, applicable for long life. Okay, pretty um, so I think that, that, that pretty well covers most of the, the possible technologies. Um, so I always like to end these interviews off with kind of a look into the future. Yeah. And I think you've given us a bit of a picture of he, okay, here's okay, of the rough technologies that we think could be used as substitutes to lithium greases. How do you, you know, personally, and you don't have to speak on behalf of Axel Christian or anything here, but if you had a crystal ball and you had to be a, place money and put bets on, where do you see the technology being used? Um, what do you think that the next, let's say, 10 to 20 years looks like? Like Our, our industry is pretty conservative and it's slow to to change, right? Like you said, when you try to change 70% of the market, that doesn't happen overnight. So if you had to forecast out one or two decades, what do you think are going to be the overarching trends that we should look out for? Um,
1: my, my crystal ball occasionally is a bit off, so uh, <laughs> uh, I'll try it as best as I can. Uh, but if, if you... Uh, you might want to want to involve some other trends that we're seeing in the market. First off, is that we in 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 the last uh, period we have seen a shift from using multi-purpose EP2 products for everything towards more specialized products meeting evolving demands. So that already is something that is in process to step away from a one-size-fits-all fairly okayish product to a specific product tailored for specific needs and enhanced performance or prolonged lubrication intervals, for example, in that type of field. So, rather the, so that is something where we're already seeing differentiation and the phasing out of lithium uh, in, in some um, uh, some applications or segments would tie in quite well there as well. It, it is capturing on what we're already doing. Um, lithium being more um, uh, price sensitive than some of the other thickness currently in the market will, especially for the Lower demanding application will trigger alternatives sooner than with highly demanding applications. In the end, the more expensive your machinery is, and the harder it is to stop something or the, the more impact it will have if your production process will come to an halt, either for maintenance or uh, or repair works. Um, the, the, the more likely it is that the impact of a higher cost price of a certain product will not be that. High effect If you look at it at a total cost of ownership point of view, so you, that part you will see a bit slower to respond probably, um, and there think just compatibility between the two products, uh, and not only from a picker point of view, but looking at your full types of products that you're using, there you would see a lot more input on a on a local scale, on a, on an application type of scale. This is the product we're using now. How does the alternative work? Is it compatible? Do we need to stop everything? Et etc.? et cetera. Are, are there any changes in in, uh, um, in the workings of your uh, your application? So the more specialized it gets, the more specialized the solution will be and the harder it is to roll it out in, on a larger scale altogether. Yeah. Um, then it, it, it is not necessarily a buzzword anymore, but sustainability... Uh, Occasionally you hear that coming along as well, uh, <laughs> as being, uh, of somewhat importance and that, that, sustainability and lithium don't necessarily go quite well hand in hand. It is lithium hydroxide is not the most environmentally friendly or sustainable, uh, uh, uh hydroxide metal hydroxide to come by. It's either, uh, by means of mining or brining. So a lot of, uh. uh uh, uh, carbon, uh, a lot of, um, uh, uh water pollution that we, that you will see in the end, not really sustainable. Um, as well as some, uh, classifications might be ongoing as well to look deeper into, uh, lithium hydroxides from, a, from a health point of view to see if that's still the product you want to be working with. So, um, looking at sustainable solutions, for example, adhidris calcium is an extremely sustainable thickener. Um. So that will help to uh, where, where we see a part of the market shifting towards more sustainable lubricants or EALs, even environmentally acceptable lubricants, where you could measure them by either meeting uh, a criteria in the U.S. as, as uh, uh, VGP 2013 or Vida, you have to call it now, uh, the vessel Incidental Discharge Act, where you have some set of rules and regulations that you need to meet with your lubricating grease in order to pass that sustainable initiatives as the EU Eco Label, uh, the Blue Angel or the uh, Swedish standard 15570 in, in, in Sweden, any of those that tend to make sustainability measurable, they have some strict rules and regulations in place as well. And with which type of thickeners you can work with or basils you can work with. And a part of that lithium containing mark will slowly be phasing out to more sustainable alternatives and their lithium doesn't necessarily have a good place on the table. Uh, in some cases you can use lithium, it's exempted, but it's not your ideal solution there. So st- sustainability, uh, yeah. a, a more specialized, uh, market anyway. So shift shifts towards more specialized products. They are, um, already setting up some shifts in the market already. Um, uh, the affordability of alternatives as, as we predicted for, for lubricating greases, lithium as, as a raw material, it will never be cheap again. Um. Mm-hmm. So, for your cheaper end of the products, lithium will most likely be the first to be uh, looked into alternatives. But that's the biggest part of the market as well. So, it's not going to be overnight, but we'll, we'll see a shift there where people are st- gradually starting um, uh, away
0: uh, to pull away from uh, from lithium containing research. Yeah, that's fascinating. So, I think um, you know it, it, it's very interesting times for everyone, right? Um, you know, in the in the standard lubricating oil market. We've seen a lot of shifts over the last couple of years, and we're starting to see that spill over into the grease market. I think uh, we're likely to have a few disruptions ongoing for the next couple of years. And so it's, it's really nice to hear from an expert who's in the thick of it and uh, get your, your opinion as well as your, your uh, technical understanding of, of the market as it stands now. So Dennis, you know, thank you so much for sharing your insight uh, and your knowledge as well. We really, really appreciate it because I know this is a, a topic of interest for a lot of people. And uh, if you're okay with it, we'd love to have you back to talk some more technical details on some specific greases as well. So um, thanks so much for your time and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. I appreciate it. It uh,
1: well, an interesting talk and we're uh, more um, than happy to join again. So um, have a good one and uh, see you soon.